Greetings, ladies and bentagens, and welcome to this narration of the web series Why Humans Avoid War, taken from Reddit. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Bayem Point of View Cole struggled to his feet, wobbling momentarily. The drones approached at a remarkable velocity, halving the distance between us in seconds. They were emitting a low hum, which signified that their plasma weapons were charging up. There was no doubt these enforcers were here to add us to the pile of charred corpses by the city gate. The human needed to take a shot now, before they were within firing range or else. Wait, what was he doing? I watched in disbelief as Carl holstered his pistol, unclipped a round object from his belt, and raised both hands above his head. If he really thought the AI would accept his surrender, then he was foolish mistaken. They would not hesitate to incinerate him, whether he submitted or not. I should have run while I had the chance. After witnessing human soldiers in action, I'd expected to at least go down with the fight. If nothing else, I figured that Cole would take at least one of them with us. Bame, can it hear us? If so, can you translate for me? He asked. Yeah, but you can't reason with... The human took a step forward, his lips curling into a snarl. Stop right there! Don't come any closer! As I opened my mouth to translate, the drones decelerated to a stationary hover. It seemed that they understood the human's command. Perhaps the machine had already deciphered galactic common from their transmissions. I was amazed, regardless of its comprehension, that they listened to him. It must have also been puzzled by his actions, and needed more information to calculate the next move. Cole's eyes smoldered with anger, and his features contorted into a mask of viciousness. I thought I'd witnessed the height of human fury when he pressed me on my species' culpability back on the ship. But now he looked downright feral. Something in the back of my mind registered him as an angry predator, and I felt a tingling sensation as my skin camouflaged on instinct. There is no use for you, primate. The voice was stilted and gravelly, but understandable. However, your species has been flagged as an anomaly. Your surrender is noted for the sole purpose of gathering information. There was a pause, and then Cole doubled over laughing. <laughs> My surrender? You have it backwards. I'm here to accept your <laughs> surrender. <laughs> you are as illogical as any biological life form. You make empty threats and stall that it matters not. The machine in tone. My calculations show that the advantage is not on your side. So why should I surrender? He even glanced at the round object in his hand. You see this thing? I'm not sure if you're familiar with the word grenade. A projectile explosive contained in a material shell. Correct. There is no ordinary grenade, however. Cole clasped the device tighter. His knuckles turning white. If I release this lever on the side, it'll go off. I'd say most of the continent would be leveled. But we won't stop there. There are nanites inside this bomb. Then they'll consume every part of this planet, bit by bit, infecting everything it comes into contact with. So I'd say you don't want to try anything, else I might lose my grip. Horror pulsed through my body at the calm commentary. How could he hold something with the potential to destroy the planet, without a care? What would have happened if the drones had shot him on sight, or if he dropped the grenade on accident? 
Commander Rykov's commitment to saving our people seemed so genuine. I never imagined that he would arm his soldiers with weapons that risked our existence. You are lying. That is not possible, the drone replied. The grenade is too small to deal that much damage. The human shrugged. You think? You saw what just one of our missiles did to the first battle. And that was outdated tank. That bomb was so obsolete they were going to discard it in a few months anyway. How latest gadgets pack a larger bunch and fit in the palm of my hand. Portable. Quite practical. It passed, considering his words for a full second, which was an eternity for an AI. The effects of your missile were logged in my memory banks. It is true that you possess weapons with such power. You would not use them now, though. You would not kill the carbon lifeforms here. Why not exactly? Carl demanded. Empathy. A weakness shared by biologicals. You care for the preservation of life. You think that we care about these weak-minded fools? He turned and pushed me to the ground, planting a boot in my stomach. You have the right idea. They are useful as tools, as slaves, but I could care less whether they live or die. I'd been caught off guard by the sudden show of aggression, and now writhed about, desperate to free myself from his grasp. In response, his heel dug deeper into my flesh. It was already difficult to breathe, and I feared I might pass out if I stayed trapped much longer. Do you have access to the Federation public records? Cole asked. Yes. Look at the aggression index. You'll see that humanity is the highest species on the list. A 16 of 16, he continued. You have no idea who you are dealing with. We are the destroyer of worlds, the messenger of death, the rulers of the weak. We enjoy violence. The aggression index matches your assertion, yet you are allied with the Federation species. There are no records of you fighting them. They are not our allies. They are our subjects. We conquered them so long ago that prior records have been erased. And now, thanks to you, we learned about a new species to add to our little collection of slaves. Darkness began to shroud the edges of my vision. Tears trickled down my cheeks as the realization of the human's deception hit me. They dressed up as benevolent saviors, but they were every bit as monstrous as the A.I., Perhaps they were worse than the machine, because at least it was just following its programming. It was not conscious of its moral choices. What a fool I had been, tricked by flowery words and feigned sympathy. I had led these predators to our doorstep to prey on us as they saw fit. My erring judgment would, at best, lead us to the same fate under a different master. At worst, it could spell the end of our species and our home. Here's how it's going to be. You are going to leave us and roll up all the people in that city. Cole growled. We're going to land our ships and take them with us. You won't try and stop us. You might lose some uh, resources, but biologicals aren't important anyways. Besides, if you don't, I'll detonate this grenade and you'll have no resources left at all. Calculate that. The human smirked, as though daring the AI to defy him. I faintly registered that the enforcers departed, but my oxygen-deprived brain was slipping out of consciousness. Just as I was about to fade away, the weight was lifted from my stomach. Gasping, spluttering, I tried to reorient myself. A calloused hand wrapped around mine, 
transporting me to my feet. Cold skin was clammy to the touch, and I could feel the racing of his pulse on his wrist. Concern washed over me as he stumbled, but then I recalled what I'd just learned. Oh dear, you're crying. Uh, I didn't hurt you, did I? I'm sorry if I, I went too far. I, I had to make things convincing, he said. I sniffed. You're here to, to enslave us, uh, just uh, uh, like the master. Cole glanced around, checking that the drones were gone. Oh, no, 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 of course not. But if we knew that we cared about you, it would use your lives against us. You're saying that you were lying. But the aggression index, we had a check. I responded. You're the highest rated species in the galaxy. It would only make sense if you love violence and oppression. The human snorted. We were two out of sixteen until literally yesterday. That index is total BS. What changed? Speaker Ula is trying to make a political statement. She's been on a crusade against humanity ever since we used that bomb against you guys. Yeah, uh, speaking of bombs, you brought a nanite grenade on a rescue mission. What? Oh yeah, this, um, cover your ears and close your eyes. Before I could process what he was doing, Cole tossed the explosive into some nearby bushes. He pressed his hands to his head and squeezed his eyes shut. I copied his movement. Despite shielding myself from the stimuli, I could still hear the thunderous crackle and sense the blinding flash. Hesitantly, I blinked my eyes open. Rather than our surroundings being vaporized, as Cole had claimed, the world around me appeared unscathed. Relief swelled my chest as I realized it had truly been an act. It was unnerving how easily he had lied under the duress, but I knew that the facade had saved our lives. The human chuckled. <laughs> Total bluff. Uh, it's a flashbang, a stun grenade. I gaped at him, my mind reading. You threatened an AI with a non-lethal weapon. And it worked. Oh. Carl pulled another object from his belt. I'm going to send up a flare and we're going to get out of here. I'll tell Commander to send down some transports for your people when we do. Somehow, Meade succeeded in our mission. I still wasn't fully sure what had happened, but I knew that I was lucky to be alive. This was not humanity's first triumph over the AI, of course, but this time it was through the cunning and not the military might that they prevailed. I should have enjoyed the moment. The feel of the cool air on my skin was soothing, and the knowledge that my people would be liberated was invigorating. However, in the back of my mind, something was just not adding up. How had the AI detected our presence so quickly? It was as though the stealth tech did not cloak us. Whatever had gone wrong with the mission, I hoped that Commander Rykov would get to the bottom of it. End of chapter. Kylon Point of View The sleek outline of the Terran flagship loomed ahead on the viewscreen. Our sensors failed to detect any damage or deviation from normal function, even at close range. But our hails to the Terran ships requesting status updates had gone unanswered for hours now. The radio silence from their fleet was out of character, and I'd begun to fear the worst. A shuttle was sent to re-establish contact with the humans and to render aid if necessary. I opted to accompany the team despite the possible risk to my safety. It was uncommon for a high-ranking officer like myself to partake in a rescue mission, but I felt as if I owed them my presence. I figured if the roles were reversed, Commander Rykov wouldn't be watching from the sidelines. He would be helping in any way that he could. 
Mud could have caused the Terrans to cease all communications without any explanation. It wasn't totally unexpected that something had gone wrong with the plan, of course. The logistics of evacuating thousands of civilians in minutes were impractical, if not impossible. I recalled my brief deployment to the Jari Luna Colony, when an inbound asteroid forced a mandatory evacuation. Despite government warnings, many people were reluctant to abandon their homes. Those that did leave in the initial rush funneled into a single spaceport, leading to congestion and delays. It had taken days to clear out all the inhabitants, and we swept for stragglers down to the last moment. From my experience, the only hope for completing the mission in the time allotted was divine intervention. Yet Commander Rykov seemed so confident, and had brushed off my objections as if they were trivial. How could I press him further, when the humans had delivered time and time again on their impossible promises? Had I listened to my instincts, perhaps the current predicament could have been avoided. Now, we were sailing into the possible danger, without the faintest idea of what might be facing. The pilot, a young female named Dari, cleared her throat. Sir, the sensors picked up two readings consistent with plasma rounds, closing quickly. My antennae twitched with surprise. Who was even shooting at us? The only ships in our vicinity were the Terrans, but they had never shown an inclination to attack. There had to be another explanation. Engage in face of maneuvers, I barked. No time. She pressed a few buttons, likely diverting all power to shields. Rates for impact. Best case scenario, the shuttle would sustain heavy damage. The small clunker wasn't designed to take direct hits from a railgun. Worst case. Well, we'd all be dead. The next few moments stretched on for what felt like an eternity. And as my anxiety swelled, I struggled to maintain my composure. My instinct screamed at me to do something, even if it were futile. Nothing was worse than waiting, hopeless, to avert our demise. Sir, the rounds missed us, narrowly, Dowry said. Angle was any lower, that they would have clipped the shields. Relief thundered through my veins, followed by confusion. What? I'm not complaining, but we shouldn't have been a difficult target. Where did the shots come from? But the Terran flagship, she replied. No! No, that's impossible. The only vessel in the area were human, but I still couldn't believe that they would fire on us. They must be hacked by the AI, or maybe they were hijacked. We have to help them immediately. Nari shifted, looking uncomfortable. With uh, respect, I doubt that's the case. There was no distress signal, no signs of a breach, no change in computer functions. I, um, I don't understand. I don't know why either, sir. But maybe the speaker was right. Right about what? A species that aggressive would attack just for the hell of it. We never should have trusted the humans. My mind was reading. The evidence indeed pointed to the Terrans acting of their own volition. Nari was correct. I would never ascribe to the speaker's ideas on aggression, given that she had directed them at my own species in the past. But her warnings that the humans would turn on us were prophetic in light of the current situation. Perhaps they were just using me to gain access to starships all along. Once I had fulfilled that purpose, they had no reason to pretend to be allies any longer. While that explanation made sense given the circumstances, I didn't ring true in my mind. These were people that just yesterday I considered friends, that I would have entrusted with my life. I don't know whether I was just being stubborn, but I still found myself seeking another answer. How will we respond, sir? Bari broke the silence. 
They fired at us, which is a declaration of war. Under the rules of engagement, we are authorized to... They do not miss, I stated. She seemed mystified by my comment. Clearly, they did miss, sir. Not by much. They miss the first time for everything. I don't think they ever meant to hit us. I narrowed my eyes. If they wanted us dead, we'd be dead. Hail the Terran ships again. But, sir, I don't think... I Your objection is no to Dari. Now carry out my orders at once. If the humans didn't answer this time, I wasn't sure what to do. It was obvious that something had changed during the course of their mission. I needed to know what happened before we ended up in a dogfight with the galaxy's premier military power. Commander Rykov appeared on screen. His arms were crossed and his eyes were narrowed to slits. Judging by his expression, if we were meeting in person, he would have tried to punch me in the face. I had no idea what I had done to merit such hostility. I tried to placate the human with a friendly smile. There must be some sort of misunderstanding, because I'm pretty sure you just shot at us. His skull deepened. That was a warning shot. The next one is going to get buried in your hull. Orders be damned. Leave now. We just came to help, I protested. We were worried about you. Really? That's why you sabotaged the ships, Rykov scoffed. That's ridiculous. I did no such things. I guess you thought that we wouldn't recover the ships after we shot them down. It's plainly obvious from the computer logs that there was a remote override of their stealth protocol by someone with level 9 clearance, which is only held by the highest-ranking Federation general. I was stunned by what I was hearing. The humans believed that I, their most ardent supporter, had disabled the Vortex ships. Never would I do such a thing. But if they had evidence to back that conclusion, I wasn't sure how to persuade them. This had to be some sort of setup. Listen, it wasn't me. We can figure this out together, I pleaded. The commander shook his head. Save it. Three of my men died because of you. We should kill you. But just shooting down a Federation ship is just the thing that Ula needs to throw us out. A gasp escaped my lips as I realization dawned on me. Ula, she has level nine clearance too. Wait, she does? That's right. This speaker is also a commander in chief, he muttered. She has a lot more motive than you. I couldn't understand why you did it. I know she hates your kind. I can't believe that you would stoop that low. She's a fanatic. I know the type. She believes she's doing what's right. And that makes her dangerous. It was evident the speaker had meant to pit the fleet and the humans against each other. And frighteningly enough, it almost worked. Her actions jeopardized the safety not only of the Terrans, but of her own forces and the devourer civilians as well. Anger simmered inside of me at the thought of confronting her. I wasn't sure what we would do, but holding her accountable was now my highest priority. She's dangerous to all of us as long as she's leading the Federation. Please, unless you want me to leave, let us help. Ula needs to pay. We'd graciously accept your assistance and welcome you aboard the flagship. Our differences with the humans had been smoothed over, which was a relief, but I couldn't say with ease with which the Rykov accused me of betrayal didn't sting, especially after the recent trials that we'd faced together. Clearly, the trust I bestowed on him was not a mutual feeling. We'll dock right away, I replied, but first, you really thought that I would sabotage you? Get your people killed! The commander offered a sad smile. If I learned one thing in my time as a commander, it's that you never really know anyone. But for what it's worth, I'm sorry, General. I never should have accused you. My bitterness dissipated as I saw the glint of wetness in his eyes. A pang of pity stabbed through my heart as I realized the poor man didn't trust a soul. 
expecting his confidence after being acquainted for mere days was perhaps too much to ask. Herbology accepted. End of chapter. Ula point of view. It was easy enough to whip a crowd into a frenzy, as long as you knew what they wanted to hear. The people who turned up to my rally today were a fearful bunch. A battle footage revealed the Terrans for charlatans that they were, and their centuries-long deception would not be forgotten by the masses. They had festered within our ranks, scheme, manipulating our politics to unknown ends, propagating their vile culture. A species as warlike as humanity was like a tumor, consuming all that was natural and good, lest it be excised. I had faith that the people could recognize the monster lurking in their midst. My speech today was just giving the citizenry the push they needed. If the commoners directed the anger at the humans, it would force their hand. Terran soldiers striking down civilians on the streets would play well in the media, and combined with the news that the Devourer Massacre that would be coming in at any moment, the outcry might be enough to oust them from the Federation. When I was a young girl, humanity was a species noted in our civics class as the greatest diplomats, the peacekeepers. I paused, my gaze sweeping over the crowd. But we recently learned that was all a lie. They are brutal, bloodthirsty, they are not like us, and they do not share our values. The values that hold our federation together. A few cheers rippled through the assembly when most onlookers looked anxious. That was exactly the sort of sentiment I hoped to invoke. There was no more powerful motivation than fear. I knew I had their rapt attention, and that they would hang on my every word. My friends, rest assured, I share your shock and confusion at the news. But of this I am certain. We must act now. Humans prowl our streets. And it is a matter of time until they give in to their <laughs> instincts. How many of you have welcomed one into your home? Send your children to school with one. Horrified expressions, agitated murmuring. This was the response I had hoped for. Most of the people here had contact with Terran at least once. Undoubtedly, some listeners would be hesitant to judge humanity. But a reminder of the mortal danger humans represented should scare some sense into them. What are we gonna do? What are you gonna do? My voice dropped to a low growl. Say it with me now. Loud for them to hear you all the way back on Earth. Humans are not welcome here. Humans are not welcome here. The crowd shouted. The smile stretched across my face. That's a... Uh, a beautiful sound. Now the Terran Embassy is on this very street, mere minutes from here. It defiles our capital with its presence. Why don't you make your voices heard down there? Let's go take back what's ours. Cheers of agreement came in response, and I watched with content as the people turned their sight on the gated complex down the road. It was no accident that I had selected an outdoor venue for this event, mere minutes on foot from the Terran Embassy. There would be no time for the humans to prepare, 
An angry mob, numbering in the thousands, would overrun their security quickly, and then they would be forced to take more drastic measures. I fished my hollow pad out of my pocket as the crowd marched off. The next item on my agenda was to make contact with the General Kylon and learn what had become of the Terran's rescue mission. Thanks to my meddling, they would have no choice but to resort to violence. The General often sympathized with the humans, likely out of gratitude for saving his life. If anything could change his mind, it would be the slaughter of an entire planet. He would no longer see humanity as saviors, but as the monsters they truly were. My call to the fleet was either not received or not answered. A small seed of doubt was planted in my mind, as I considered the possibility that the Terrans had struck them down in retribution. There was no way they could know what I had done once the ships were lost, of course. But what if they had blamed the fleet anyways, or just not wanted any witnesses to their massacre? The thought chilled me to the bone. I had to hope that the general was simply occupied with other matters and would return my call soon enough. Whatever happened to the human ships, I could care less. But the loss of our servicemen would be tragic. Perhaps my actions had been a bit careless. It was too late to turn back now. Some people were bound to get hurt dealing with such an aggressive species. But their sacrifice was necessary for the great good. Today's events were the perfect example of that principle. I doubted the chaos unfolding at the embassy would be bloodless. One of my staffers had tipped off Federation News Central, telling them to keep a camera crew posted at the Terran Embassy. The media might have missed the start of the demonstration otherwise. I switched to their live stream on my holopad and was pleased to see the coverage of the protest already rolling. Two human sentries are pacing inside the gates, shouting for everyone to stand back. The crowd jeered at them in response, lobbing rocks and other projectiles over the barriers. A young Zanuck reporter gestured at the scene behind him. As you can see, the situation of the Terran Embassy is escalating. Speaker Ula gave a short speech this afternoon, laden with anti-human rhetoric. Her supporters felt inspired to take action, and, at the Speaker's encouragement, traveled out to the complex here. It appears a confrontation is imminent. A few protesters began scaling the walls, and the Terran guards pointed guns at them in response. Undeterred, the climbers dropped down on the other side. I chuckled to myself. The moment the humans opened fire on unarmed civilians, everyone would see them as I did. The incident would be broadcast live across the galaxy, and it would be played and repeat for days, just as the nanite bomb had been. More civilians descended onto the premises. The guards took a few steps back worth of the weapons raised. Their fingers hovered by the trigger, ready to fire the moment the protesters advanced. The crowd closed ranks then and charged together. Rather than the sound of gunfire, all I heard was a human voice shout fall back. Inexplicably, the guards holstered their weapons and retreated into the building. Why aren't they shooting? I screamed. This isn't right. Humans are supposed to be murderers. My staffers, who were huddled nearby, were caught off guard by my outburst. They were staring at me like I'd lost my mind. A young male named Raddy looked particularly concerned. You want them to shoot? 
Are you okay? I glad at him. Mind your damn business. I'm perfectly fine. The protesters had broken into the NBC itself while I wasn't paying attention and were no longer visible to the camera. The anchor said something about a hostage situation, but it didn't register in my mind. How could this have happened? An aggressive, militarized species giving up without a fight. This was an absolute disaster. With the diplomats taken captive, the humans would be framed as the victims of the story. I could hear it now, a terror on the news telling the viewers that they weren't the violent ones. It would distract from the atrocity of their weapons, and instead, the controversy would focus on me inciting the riot. This was the kind of scandal that could cripple the average politician's career. But I was no lesser representative. Surely a speaker as popular as myself could weather any storm. Rather than apologizing for my actions, I would double down. At the very soul of the Federation at stake, giving up my quest to unmask humanity was not an option. Hopefully, my efforts to sabotage their rescue mission had fared better. One incident was all I needed to prove my case. I knew the humans were bound to slip up eventually. It was in their nature, after all. End of chapter. Kylon Point of View The atmosphere on board the Terran flagship was much different from my previous visit. The commander left me in a meeting room with two armed guards while he spoke with Terran intelligence about Ula's treachery. He claimed it was for my protection, but judging by their demeanor, that wasn't exactly the truth. The duo watched me with suspicious eyes the entire time, never cracking a smile or saying a word. Thankfully, Rykov wasn't gone for long. I couldn't help but notice his face was creased with worry, but he returned. Whatever he had just learned, had a feeling that it wasn't good news. Yeah, Baka, did they say what they were going to do about the sabotage? I asked. The commander sighed. No, there's bigger problems to deal with, apparently. My antenna twitched in confusion. What could be bigger than treason? They have to do something about the speaker. They agree that something has to be done, but she's on the radar for other reasons, he replied. She's uh, been encouraging acts of violence against our civilians. There's been enough incidents in the past few days that Earth has closed its spaceports. We can't risk a terror attack on our soil. Terror attack? I figured the phrase must be some Terran military jargon that I was unfamiliar with. What does that mean? Commander Rykov's eyes widened. You don't, uh, well, uh, it's uh, a form of violence against civilians, uh, mass casualties events that are planned, done publicly, and meant to frighten certain groups of people. The fact that the Terrans had a term designated for such an attack implied that they occurred with some regularity. I shuddered at the notion of civilians slaughtered in broad daylight for the sole purpose of cruelty. For all the wars the Jatari fought in our early years, the violence was never so senseless. Yet the commander spoke of these terror attacks as though they were just something that happened, like a natural disaster. Why are you looking at me like that? Rykov scowled, crossing his arms. Don't you dare try and act like that stuff never happens in the Federation. 
I shifted awkwardly. Well, um, he doesn't. That's not how I see it. You know our embassy in the Federation capital, he paused, waiting for my nod. Demonstrators stormed it, took the diplomats hostage. Now they're holed up inside, threatening to blow the place to the high heavens. If we make a move... What? Why would they do that? Humans have been nothing but kind to us. There's no reason for bloodshed. Try telling that to them. The way I see it, they're terrorists. But that's still the subject of debate back home. We should be taking the embassy back, not trying to negotiate with these people. They won't even talk to anyone that's human. I could sense that there was something in Rykov wasn't telling me. He cared for the people under his command, and for the preservation of life in general, but never to the point where you could hear it in his voice. If this mission was personal to him, I needed to know why. He was a competent commander, but nothing could cloud one's judgment like emotions. I don't mean to pry, but, um, I placed a hand on his shoulder and noticed the guards tense up at the contact. Do you know someone there? Wasn't that obvious, yeah. My brother lives at the embassy. He works for the State Department, Rykov replied. I frowned. Maybe I, we can help somehow. What are your orders? Well, first there were to return to Earth with the refugees. I asked to join up with the tactical team outside the embassy, but I was told, and I quote, You're too close to this. The bigwigs really expected me to sit this one out. Orders are orders. We'll have to think of a plan after you get home. Two steps ahead of you, General. I said that you offered to help, and that you asked for me to escort you to the embassy. It would be an insult to the Jutari if I refused. And what do you know? Permission was granted. You lied to your superiors. My brother's life is on the line. I didn't lie. I just stretched the truth. That is, by definition, of lying. Not the point. Anyways, the flagship will set off for the capital immediately, and the other ships will bring the refugees back to Earth. I won't force you to go, but I would appreciate your help. Will you join us? There was no question that I should accompany the commander. It went well beyond owing him my life or considering him a friend. After the speaker's betrayal and the Federation's abandonment, the humans needed to see that they still had allies. They needed to know that they were not alone. Of course, it's the least that I can do, I answered. Rykov smiled. Excellent. Let's head over to the bridge and we'll warp out. The guards were at my side in a heartbeat, pushing me forward like I was some sort of cattle. My patience for the prisoner treatment was growing thin. I was keen on aiding the humans, but not at the expense of my dignity. I did my best to imitate Mykov's arms crossed pose, glaring at the one on the right. Hands off! I'm taken! The man's burly figure was intimidating, and I had no doubt that he would pound me to a pulp in a scuffle. I knew my rebuke might only lead to rougher treatment down the line, but I met his eyes anyways. I expected an irritated look in his face, but instead I saw the hint of a smirk playing on his lips. You managed to make Max smile, General. Even I can't do that, the commander chuckled. Max nodded. That's because you're not funny. Hey, watch yourself now, Rykov's tone was light and playful. So I doubted his warning was serious. The general is right, though. He is quite capable of walking on his own. Mac nodded, stepping back 
His partner followed suit, dropping off a few paces behind us. My thoughts drifted as we passed through the narrow corridors of the bridge. I wished the commander would have dismissed the guards altogether, but I'd settle for having them out of my personal space. If the humans still didn't trust me, that was their problem. You look upset. I'm sorry. It's actually not you, Rykov said. I have around-the-clock security now. An anti-human extremist group put a million credit bounty on my head. My stride faltered as the shock seared through my veins. What? Why you? He sighed. Because I'm the one who fired the nanite bomb. We fell into a comfortable silence as we entered the bridge. My mind was still reeling from the latest revelation. If there was a million credit bounty on me, I wouldn't trust my own crew not to take me out. For the commander to wonder about his ship at all, he must possess unwavering faith in his men's loyalty. On my last visit to the flagship, the bridge had been swept up in chaotic flurry of activity and chatter, at least before Rykov called them to attention. But today, the crewmates were already waiting at their posts, and the course was already plotted into the computer. Seeing the somber expressions around me, I feared the past few days had sapped the human spirit. All right, it looks like we're ready. Course is a ready input for the capital system. Rykov nodded with satisfaction. Engage warp drives. My stomach lurched as the ship slipped into hyperspace. Even after years of experience with FDL travel, the nausea never went away. Memories of newly enlisted Federation soldiers puking their guts out floated through my mind, and I laughed to myself. The commander glanced up from his hollow map, likely confused what there was to be amused about at a time like this. Before he could ask what I found so funny, a stern voice crackled over the emergency frequency. Turn back at once. Unauthorized Terran ships are prohibited from entry to Federation space until further notice. Rykov frowned, pressing a few buttons on the display. Since when? You do realize that we're a member of the Federation, so I don't see how we can be denied access to Federation space. Earth halted interplanetary flights earlier today, and the Senate passed a temporary freeze on Terran visitors in response, came the reply. For all we know, you shut down your spaceports because you're planning an attack. That is ridiculous, Rykov protested. Look, we're here on a rescue mission. We're going to dock, and you're not going to get in our way. You are trespassing in the system. If you enter real space, you will be fired upon. What's that? Uh, you, you're, you're breaking up. I, I can't hear you. The commander ended the transmission, shaking his head in disgust. Idiots! Raise the shields to full power and enter real space. I felt the ship shudder beneath my feet as it emerged from hyperspace, and my expression morphed into one of horror. No! You must turn back! The planetary defense systems! They'll shoot you down! I'd like to see them try, Rykov growled. Well... This was just wonderful. It seemed Speaker Ula might be getting her wish for a war with the humans after all. End of chapter. Chapter 12. Kylon Point of View. The planetary defense system for the Federation's capital world was designed to ward off an orbital bombardment and consisted of state-of-the-art weaponry. This was the most heavily guarded planet in the galaxy given its political and symbolic importance. With all of the firepower turned against the single ship, there was no way conventional shields would withstand the blast. 
I feared the humans had put off more than they could chew. How would the Terran government retaliate for the destruction of their fleet's crown jewel? It was unclear whether they would stick to the concept of proportional response. An outright declaration of war could be imminent, especially if the Federation fired the first shots. It seemed common sense from my perspective that provocation of the humans was not in our best interest. Earth was signed on to, and in many cases, the founder of treaties that prohibited attacks on civilians. But if pushed to the brink, who knew what they were capable of? Just a single nanite bomb dropped against a metropolitan populace, the casualties would number in the millions. Not that I would be around to worry about the consequences. In a few moments, I would be vaporized, alongside every other occupant of this vessel. Gazing through the flagship's viewpoint, I saw an azure glow spreading across the lunar surface. This indicated the orbital laser was charging up. It was capable of emitting the same amount of energy as a medium-sized star, at least for a few seconds. A hit that powerful would pass through our shields as though they were non-existent. Any hopes I had of escaping the situation alive evaporated. I thought they would fire the Lunar Station's plasma railguns or the guided missiles, as was typically the protocol for space intrusion. The orbital laser was the capital's last line of defense, which seemed rather overkill for a single vessel. Was there any way to convince Commander Rykov to turn back? This is suicide. We must stand down, or we're all dead. I hated the note of desperation in my voice which crept higher in pitch as I spoke. You can talk to the Federation later. Work something out. The commander straightened, the glint of bitterness in his eyes. The time for talking is over. We've tried talking for hundreds of years, and look how well that's worked out for us. The Federation needs to learn a lesson in humanity. Look, I agree that this is an act of war. If I were in your place, I would respond in kind too. But you need more ships and a solid plan. Our deaths won't achieve anything, I pleaded. He waved a hand dismissively. I am not planning on dying today, General. We'll be fine. It occurred to me that Rykov either did not grasp the gravity of the threat or that this recent skirmishes had led to overconfidence. Whatever fortifications the flagship had, there was no way that they were designed to be subjected to such extreme forces. Morning. A target lock against the ship has been detected. Estimated time of impact, five seconds, a computerized voice said. I squeezed my eyes shut, waiting for the permanent darkness to overtake me. The sound of chilling alarms rang in my ears, and I wondered if it would be the last thing I heard. There was no fear in my mind, just a burning hatred for the fools running the federal government. Their loss of life could have been avoided if only the speaker behaved with sensibility. Five, four, three, two, one. My eyes shot open as a jolt passed through the ship, and I nearly lost my balance in its wake. The lights flickered overhead, presumably from power being rerouted to shields, but that was the only side effect of the blast I noticed. There were no fires breaking out in the bridge, no systems knocked offline. 
Shields at 96%. Structural integrity uncompromised. Retaliatory action advised, the computer intoned. I couldn't understand how a flagship was still in one piece. The orbital laser was designed to overpower an entire formation, yet it hardly scratched the terror craft. All it had achieved was a tiny dent in their shield capacity. Humanity's meekness and why they had hidden their true nature for so long was more baffling than ever. The vessels were nigh invincible, and their technology outpaced the Federation's weaponry by centuries. What was it that differentiated humans from other aggressive species? They could rule the galaxy, if they so desired, but instead they moralized and mediated. Commander Rykov cleared his throat. That was your most powerful weapon, General. Um, you people need us more than you realize. I... Uh, I suppose nothing should surprise me anymore, I grumbled. What now? They're gonna fire again once the laser is recharged. The human tilted his head, as though weighing his options. That uh, station is remotely operated. Has since the scan of the moon detected zero life signatures. Yes, uh, to my knowledge, I answered. Good. In that case, we're gonna make sure that I don't have a chance to fire again. He clapped his hands together, a predatory grin on his face. Henson Carter, ready the antimatter missile. I want you to bury that station. Understood, sir, came the reply from the weapons post. I felt strangely detached, watching the tree of warheads close the distance between us and the station. My oath as a soldier was to protect and defend the Federation against all enemies, and it seemed the Terrans could now be classified as a hostile party. After all, Without the planetary defense system, the capital would be left vulnerable to attack. By taking no action during this engagement, I was siding with the humans, wasn't I? The missile slammed into the lunar surface with a radiant flash, churning up plumes of dust and debris. Where the sophisticated defense complex once stood, only three craters remained. The aftermath was reminiscent of an asteroid strike, rather than a missile given the magnitude of its depth. Staring at the fresh gash in the stony ground, I wondered yet again why the Federation was hell-bent on angering the humans. Creatures with such a mastery of destruction should be appeased, not aggravated, unless your objective was the eradication of your civilization. The low whir of machinery sounded from behind me, and I flinched on instinct. Whipping around, I spotted a robotic cart stocked with firearms wheeling across the bridge, and the Terran personnel gearing up as it passed by. Commander Rykov withdrew a scoped plasma rifle and without a word handed it to me. Its weight was much heavier than I expected, and my shoulders sagged as I accepted it. Either the humans were sporting some sort of power armor, or their physical strength greatly exceeded that of my species. General, um... I think we're going to have to fight our way to the embassy once we dock. Between protesters and the Federation security forces, we'll be outnumbered, the commander said. Do you know the layout of the capital better than anyone else? Any suggestions? I paused, tossing a few ideas around in my head. Well, a diversion would help. Do you have any chemical weapons on the flagship? I assume the protesters are packed close together outside the embassy, so you could hit them with some sort of gas attack. But then the emergency horrorcraft respond to the scene. 
You could use them as a shield from their special forces. I expected the humans to appreciate the resourcefulness of my plan, but instead, he was looking at me like I'd grown a fourth eye. His mouth opened and closed a few times, as though he was struggling to find the words. We're, uh, not doing that, he replied at last. Please, uh, forget I asked. Whatever his problem with my suggestion was, it escaped my comprehension. Not only would it minimize human casualties, but it would also provide cover in a dense urban landscape. A wide open avenue, exactly ideal for ground combat and maneuvering. The flagship began a rapid descent through the planet's atmosphere, hurtling past silvery clouds. The computer's display stated that it had locked onto the landing beacon, and I steeled myself to face whatever lie ahead. As we neared our destination, I finally caught a glimpse of the ground below on screen. I had known that we would likely need to fight our way out of the spaceport before we could head towards the embassy. It came as no surprise then when I spotted the contingent of soldiers filling into the hangar bay, weapons ready. However, I had not been expecting them to number in the hundreds and to be solely comprised of Zanuck servicemen. This was no ordinary security force, and that could make our mission more difficult than expected. I just hoped Commander Rykov had a plan, because against a unit of that size, I didn't have the slightest idea of how to escape the spaceport alive. End of story. P.S. I might sound a little nasally, I'm still getting over the Rona, but I'm good to go with recording. So, again, I hope that you enjoy. Kylon's point of view. Commander Rykov's orders had been not to engage in the Zanuck soldiers unless they shoot first, but I had expected them to open fire as soon as we exited the flagship. Instead, they were milling about the spacious terminal, guns pointed at the tiled floors rather than at us. One individual immediately caught my eye. His striking dark blue feathers hadn't pronounced beak suggested that he was of noble lineage. Unlike the others, he was wearing his dress uniform rather than combat gear. I could have sworn that I'd seen him in the media, though I couldn't quite place him. Was he some politician or general? If so, what in the stars was he doing out in the field? The human commander followed my gaze, and recognition flashed through his eyes as he spotted the Zanuck nobleman. At ease, Ambassador Castle. What is this? The Terran soldiers flanking us dropped back at the new orders, relaxing their stance. I stared in disbelief at Ambassador Kazel. Planetary ambassadors were only present at events of major significance, and for most Federation species, they were considered the highest-ranking dignitaries in their government. An ambassador accompanying a security detail to a hostile confrontation I was simply unheard of. Kazel chuckled, a low rumbling sound. <laughs> you want to get to the Terran Embassy, yes? Uh, I think my personal security detail will be sufficient to escort. You're not here to stop us? Rykov asked, raising an eyebrow skeptically. Of course not. Earth is our largest foreign creditor, and also a major trading partner. It would cripple our economy for decades to go to war with you, the ambassador replied. The human shook his head. A smirk on his face. Let me get this straight. You're helping us, not because we're allies, 
All because of the Federation's behavior isn't just, uh, but for money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I see why our governments get along so well. A note of amusement punctuated the commander's words. You do realize that the Federation could go to war with you for helping us, don't you? War? With what army? If we leave, the other military species will follow. Kazel stretched a talon towards me. It seems that you've already won over the Jatari, anyways. You've turned the highest-ranking Federation general into your errand boy. My blood burned at the insult, and I raised my plasma rifle at the ambassador's head. Errand boy? I dare you to say that again. Commander Rykov reached over, prying the weapon from my grasp. General, I'd appreciate it if you didn't shoot our only ally in the Senate. I clenched my teeth, feeling the veins bulging in my neck. Was the commander really taking his side? Assaulting a Zanuck ambassador wouldn't have been the smartest move, especially while surrounded by soldiers, but his haughty attitude was insufferable. Yes, you should listen to the human, Hazel said, a triumphant look in his eyes. Rykov wagged a finger at the ambassador. Eh, don't look so smug. You're out of line too, trying to get under Jatari's skin. The general and I both have a score to settle with certain someone. He is not my subordinate. Relax, I was just having a bit of fun. The Jadari are wild way to date, he responded. Who is this, uh, certain someone? Well, um, our business with her is unofficial, if you understand what I mean. Rykov traced a hand down the barrel of my confiscated rifle, a dark look in his face. We want to track down Speaker Ula. That Tizay! I wasn't too familiar with Zanuck profanity but I believe Tizay loosely translates to intestine brain. She shouldn't be hard to find. Ula on the Senate floor as we speak, raising a motion for the Terran Union's removal from the Federation. The Senate is in session now, and you're not there, I grumbled. I had better things to do. Kazel looked at me for a moment, then turned his gaze back to the commander. Frankly... I don't know why Ambassador Johnson attended. I guess she likes listening to grandstanding idiots. Rykov laughed. It probably reminds her of home. In all seriousness, no. Do you think the motion will pass? Does Ula have the votes? The Ambassador hesitated. I don't know. There's a lot of representatives on the fence, but your attack on the Capitol probably tips the scales into Speaker's favor. Our attack? The Federation fired first shots, the commander protested. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's not how Ula would tell it. Kazel glanced at his holopad, avoiding the human's gaze. Enough chit-chat. We should start off towards the embassy. Rykov nodded and handed me back my firearm. Our posse trailed by the Xanax security detail as we exited the spaceport in a brisk fashion. A few humans stayed behind on the flagship to guard it, and if necessary lift off to avoid its capture, but most of the crew had disembarked for this mission. I assume, for most of the humans, this would be their first time seeing the capital in person. Even after hundreds of visits, I still found the city-state a sight to behold. In the emerald glow of the setting sun, the capital's architecture took on an ethereal quality. On the horizon rested the Hall of Governance, an intricate blue spheroid that housed the Senate and the Military Command Center. The rest of the buildings encircled the hall. 
All Federation species were given a stretch of land, with the founding members' territory nestled in the inner ring. Embassies were often wedged between shops and cultural sites, giving each region of the city a distinct flair. The Terrence's Corner was famed for its street vendors and nightlife, but today the market stalls were abandoned. A crowd of non-human protesters numbering in the thousands packed the street. The mob seemed agitated. Barricades lined the avenue and thwart their advance on the embassy. A wall of human police camped behind the barriers, pushing back any demonstrators who tried to cross the threshold. I say police in quotation marks, because they were dressed head-to-toe in black combat gear, an outfit identical to that of a Terran soldier. The only path to the embassy was through the throng, and a few of the protesters had already noticed our presence. A group of them splintered off and charged towards us, wielding blunt weapons and makeshift projectiles. It was evident that we needed to get the demonstrators out of our way, or they would overwhelm us with sheer numbers. The same thought must have crossed Ambassador Kazel's mind, because, with a whistle, he signaled for his men to drop into a firing position. The Xenic soldiers found the target, talons harboring over the trigger. Stop! What is wrong with you people? Rykov shrieked, sounding almost hysterical. I offered him a sympathetic smile. There, there's no other way. Ambassador Kazel gestured agreement, looking baffled by the human's outburst. The commander wordlessly removed the silencer from his rifle, paying no mind to the approaching civilians. He aimed the barrel at the sky and fired three times in quick succession. I winced at the unmistakable ear-splitting pops. The protesters descended on our position, scrambled backwards, and I heard screams from the crowd. The humans are shooting at us! One voice shouted. In a matter of seconds, the demonstrators dispersed, running for their lives. They scattered off into the alleyways and storefronts, clearing the path for our unit. Commander Rykov sighed, lowering his weapon. There's always another way. A nod of shame settled in my stomach. If not for Commander, I would have stood by and watched the needless civilian massacre. Speaker Ula could not have been more wrong about the species. That much was obvious. The humans had no desire for death, and their first thought was always towards limiting casualties. Whatever bloodshed littered their history, they had changed. One of the police officers broke from his formation, marching down the street and pushed his way past the Zanuck soldiers, pointing an accusatory finger at Rykov. Why are you here? I told Terran Command not to let you come. The commander gasped, staring slack-jawed at the stranger. Pavel, I thought you were a hostage. The agency was had ways in and out of the embassy. Pavel unclasped his helmet, revealing a face that looked like a younger version of Rykov. It really isn't good if any of us are captured. What is, uh, the agency? I demanded. This is your, your brother? Commander Rykov waved a hand dismissively. The State Department, I told you. And, uh, yes, this is my brother, Pavel. This is, uh, Pavel smirked. I know, General Kailan. And unless I'm hallucinating, the Zanuck ambassador is in your little band as well. We're at your service. On behalf of my government, we apologize for the Federation's recent actions, Kazel said. No need. Since you're here, you guys might as well help. Rykov's brother gestured towards the embassy. 
I have a plan to sneak some hostages out of maintenance tunnel, but it needs a distraction. I couldn't shake the feeling that Pavel was more than just a State Department employee, though I decided not to express my doubts. What common diplomat would suit up with militarized police force or be drawing up a tactical plans to rescue hostages? It was a relief that Commander's brother was safe, but something told me I needed to watch him very closely. I forced a smile, trying to act normal. We can do that. Just let us know what you had in mind. End of story. Ula point of view. I glanced at my note cards one last time as I stepped up to the lectern. There was a strange sense of giddiness fluttering in my heart. With the Terran flagship firing on our sacred capital, the evidence of human treachery was now apparent. The most worrying part was how easily our trillion credit defense system had been obliterated. If that ship was here to conquer us, of course, there would be little the Federation forces could do to stop them. But given how humanity liked to present itself as a docile, peaceful race on the galactic stage, it seemed more likely that they would attempt to salvage the optics of their attack. We needed to end our association with the Terran Union while we still had that option. Senators, friends, I come to you today with grave news. I paused, my gaze sweeping across the packed auditorium. It seemed that all of the representatives were present, barring the empty seat reserved for the Zanuck ambassador. Our capital defenses were savagely bombed by the invading Terran ship, which is deployed ground troops as we speak. For anyone who believed long-term partnership with the humanity was possible, you can now see that their intentions are anything but benevolent. Jatari Ambassador Palam rose to his feet, looking annoyed. If you poke a garrot, eventually it'll bite. You would destroy the Federation, thrust us into war to prove a point. Madam Speaker, remember that you brought this upon yourself. Leave it to the military species to jump to humanity's defense. Their brains were both wired for aggression, so no wonder they understood each other. Balam's analogy was unfitting, unless his implication was that humans were not sapient. Garrets were non-sentient predator species indigenous to the Dachari homeworld. That had been domesticated to herd cattle. If I didn't know better, I would say that sounds like a threat, I hissed. This is not about proving a point. This is about a bloodthirsty species that has weapons that pose an existential threat to our society. If raising legitimate concerns about humanity and trying to distance ourselves from them is a crime, then I am guilty. The Federation will never throw its lot in with the planet of murderers and liars. Not under my watch. Many of the representatives were signaling agreement with their body language as I spoke. The Jutari ambassador appeared to struggle for a response before returning to his seat. Shoulders slumped in defeat. While Palam's immediate protest was no surprise, what was shocking was that the human ambassador hadn't said a word. A quick glance in her direction found her leaning forwards in a chair, watching me with unblinking eyes. An involuntary shudder went down my spine, and I threw a deep breath to calm myself. 
If you believe that a species we now know as the history of systemic genocide, bloody wars, and tyrannical regimes can change, then you will vote for them to remain in the Federation. I drew closer to the microphone, dropping my voice to a low whisper. All I wanted was for you to see that, for all of their lies and grand speeches, they have not changed. It was always a matter of time before they would turn their sights on us. I was rather taken aback when Ambassador Johnson stood, slowly clapping. Her applause seemed sarcastic in nature, especially with the smirk plastered on her face. I sighed, tapping a hoof for the annoyance. Ambassador Johnson, do you have something to say? It is your right to reply, at least while Earth is still a member planet. I have plenty to say, but the question is whether any of you will listen, she replied. First off, the missile launch against your defense station was unauthorized. You're saying that your ship went rogue. That is not exactly reassuring, I pointed out. What happens when the next one of your crews decides to go rogue? The human glared at me. You directly provoked a civilian assault on our embassy, and yet you throw stones. Terran government condemns Commander Rykov's actions, but it is a clear case of self-defense. Show the logs from the station's computer, Madam Speaker. You won't, because they show that you fired on the ship first. A series of anxious murmurs rippled across the chamber, and I could tell Ambassador Johnson's words had planted seeds of doubt in some attendees' minds. I considered challenging the notion that our station had fired first, but I suspected that she would not make the claim without evidence. Have the humans persuaded the representatives that it was a clear case of self-defense, there was a chance that she could sway enough of the votes in her favor. The civilians acted on their own accord. I simply outright said humans weren't welcome here, condoned a race riot, and look, you're not disagreeing that our ship was fired upon. I concede that the orbital laser launched one volley against your vessel, but they were trespassing in our space and refused to leave. You do understand that the highest-ranking general in the Federation was amongst the passengers, and that the ship was tasked with transporting him to the embassy, right? You assaulted a diplomatic rescue mission. Are we really the violent ones? I could sense the balance in the chamber shifting, and I cursed under my breath. Human diplomats were known to have a way with words, and excelled at backing their opponents into a corner. It was a struggle to maintain my composure, based with such accusatory rhetoric. But I knew, if I lost my temper... It was equal to defeat. Yes, you are the violent ones. Care to comment on your history? A triumphant smile inched across my face. There was no way the ambassador could defend this species' past actions, which, by galactic law, could be classified as crimes against sentience. Your so-called uh, world wars and the brutal instance of ethnic cleansing? I've done my research since you launched that nanite bomb. Ambassador Johnson broke eye contact, a troubled frown crossing her lips. We regret those years deeply. Humanity had to learn the hard way that violence is not the answer, and we nearly destroyed ourselves in the process. For all the time that you've known us, we have not been that species. I urge you to recall all the good that we have done in our history with the Federation, 
not just the evil of our primitive years. Who accepts the most refugees of any planet each year? Who sends medics to help both sides of a conflict? Who sponsors bills on sentient rights and wrote the galactic laws concerning war crimes? I don't know what else we can do to prove that we are peaceful. You can stop building nanite bombs for one. We only use those to protect our friends. That's right. Even after all of this nonsense, we still see you as friends. The time for your games is over, Madam Speaker. We have bigger problems on our hands, fighting a homicidal AI. Instead of sabotaging us at every turn, why don't you try and help us? Calls of ascent came from around the hall. I gritted my teeth in frustration. For every point I made, it seemed the ambassador had a pre-prepared response at the ready. There was no way I could tolerate the Terran Union's presence amongst us any longer. Humans were despicable creatures. How did the others not see the truth, even after an attack on the capital? As I was trying to think of a response, a panicked Julie messenger burst into the chamber. Madam Speaker, uh, please, please forgive for the interrupting, but, but you weren't answering your holopad. We are under attack. Hundreds of battleships are descending on the capital. And our defenses are obviously offline. You! You did this! I screeched, pointing at Ambassador Johnson. I knew it! The human held up her hands defensively, appearing generally confused. It's not us. Really? What? Rogue ships again? Hundreds of them, I sneered. They're not Terran Union ships. In fact, uh, the transponders identify them as, uh... Owls, the messenger said. Pandemonium erupted amongst the Senate body, with dozens of representatives shouting questions at once. As far as I was concerned, humanity had to be behind us somehow. Perhaps they had hacked our military craft. I pounded a hoof against the floor, attempting to restore order. Silence! Have the attackers fired on us? Have they broadcast demands? No shots fired yet, but they told us that we have one hour to surrender unconditionally, he answered. I glanced back at Ambassador Johnson, trying to gauge her response. She was staring at an empty seat belonging to the Zanuck Republic, as though some revelation had occurred to her. I could have sworn the words she muttered were, Damn it, Kazel! The human hesitated, her gaze sweeping across the chamber. Her eyes stopped on me, and I could see the unspoken question in them. She wanted the satisfaction of hearing me beg for assistance and groveling apology. But even if she had been truly unaware of Zanuck's intentions, surely their assault would force the Terran Union's hand. So, uh, what are you going to do, Ambassador? Seize this chance to take us over? I asked, voice dripping with contempt. Ambassador Johnson snorted. You have a funny way of asking for help. A bitter laugh rumbled in my throat. Why would you help us? Because, as I've been telling you, we're not what you think we are. Now, I have a call to make to a certain commander. That invading flagship might come in handy. She's got quite a few tricks up her sleeve. After a brief moment of hesitation, I gave the ambassador a grudging nod. A human gesture, which was a concession of its own. I didn't trust an offer of assistance from humanity of all species, but under the present circumstances, there was no choice but to accept it. It remained to be seen if the Terran Union would confront its greatest ally, but I 
wouldn't be holding my breath. End of chapter. Chapter 15, Kylon Point of View. No mission ever went according to plan when humans were involved. Not that the plan was particularly sane to begin with, given that Pubble's destruction involved shooting rockets into the sky. I wasn't sure how lighting explosives was a good idea, unless the goal was for the humans to blow up the embassy themselves. But Commander Rykov ordered his men to set up the launch, seemingly oblivious to how bizarre his brother's suggestion was. How exactly is shooting bombs into the air going to help? I asked, unable to contain my doubts any longer. The commander chuckled. Not, not bombs, uh, fireworks. I gave him a blank stare, unable to understand what he found amusing. So these rockets have a name. Uh, I don't see how that distracts from my point. Th they're recreational explosives. Harmless, uh, mostly. Recreational explosives? I echoed. What does that even mean? People shoot them off on holidays to celebrate them. Um, they're loud. They explode in a bright flash of color. But that's about it. Come to Earth on Unification Day. You'll see plenty of them. That is supposed to be, um, fun? Yes. I, um, our species clearly have very different ideas of fun. Well, fun or not, it should draw the terrorists out to investigate. I take it that it will be confused as you are. A trail of orange embers arched through the night sky, resembling a cluster of shooting stars. A few cheers came from the Terran soldiers, most of whom were admiring the light show overhead. I winced at the volume of the burst. I wasn't fully convinced that this fire wasn't going to rain down on our position. The Zanuck patrolmen seemed outright frightened, with many ducking for cover. Commander Rykov smirked clearly trying not to laugh at the terrified Ambassador Kazel. Relax, it's perfectly safe. Kazel rubbed his beak nervously. Well, uh, I'm happy you guys decided to join the bombing run, but I wish you waited until we weren't out in the open. Bombing run? Rykov and I asked in union. You haven't heard. Pretty soon this rock will be the joint property of the Terran Union and the Zanuck Republic. Kazel glanced in my direction, observing the shocked look on my face. Don't worry, General, I'm sure the Jachari will be wise enough to jump ship. It seemed the Ambassador's implication was that the Terrans and the Zanuck were teaming up to invade the capital. As wrong as it felt to abandon the Federation, I was sworn to protect. Siding with Earth in a war was tantamount to suicide. The Jatari were more than likely to opt for self-preservation, as I would. Which is why I didn't make any sense for Commander to lie about his intentions. I frowned at my human friend. So you are attacking the Federation. Your plan was to take over the capital all along. Absolutely not, Commander growled. There's zero chance Earth signed on to this. Not yet, but we expect a full spot of the Terran Union. Who needs to listen to these uh, weak-minded Federation fools any longer? Ambassador Kazel flinched as another firework detonated above, but did not falter. Their wealth of power, it is ours to claim. Surely you see the wisdom. The human raised his rifle, eyes narrowing to slits. Wisdom. I only see greed. Whatever you're planning, call it off. The nearby Zanuck soldiers pointed their weapons at the commander in response, and the Terran troops readied their guns as well. I hesitated to join the standoff, 
but I figured that I would get caught in the crossfire anyways. Despite the fact that the humans were outnumbered ten to one, I aimed my rifle at Gazel. I hadn't liked him from the moment we met, and I wasn't going to miss the chance to take him out. It's too late. We've broadcast our demands to the Federation, and if we don't follow through, it'll bring shame to our people, the ambassador said. If you do follow through, you'll live just long enough to see your soldiers die by our hands. A new voice came from behind me. It was Bubble, who seemed to have materialized out of nowhere. We will overthrow your leaders, crash your economy, and fund insurgents. Then we'll claim we have nothing to do with it, and your pleas to the Federation will fall in deaf ears. You'll never have a lick of proof that we were involved in any way. Fierce words from a diplomat of our people. Weren't you supposed to be in the embassy, freeing the hostages? Bubble inched closer to the ambassador. New orders came in. At first glance, Rykov's brother appeared unarmed, but something about his posture struck me as odd. Upon closer inspection, I noticed that he was holding one arm behind his back, concealing an object from Kazel's view. The commander glanced at his wristwatch, hearing the chime of a notification. I just got new orders as well. This is primarily a civilian populace. The Terran government will not tolerate you bombing them into submission. Either you stand down, or I am to take you as a prisoner of war. We did this for you, for humanity. We were the first to stand at your side, and this is our reward. Gazel chittered. The Federation betrayed you. They are not worthy of your allegiance. Last chance. Surrender, Rykov hissed. Can't do it. Very well. Soldiers, on my command, take all the hostile forces. I want the ambassador taken alive. Commander Rykov paused, spotting his brother slinking towards the Zanuck line. Bubble, what are you doing? Sorry, Michal. We have different orders. In one foot movement, Pavel pounced onto the ambassador, drawing a dagger faster than my eye could track him. He sliced through the vital arteries in Kazel's neck with a clean cut, leaving the politician spluttering blood. Plasma fire erupted around me, and I pulled my rifle's trigger on instinct. I could hear the commander calling for air support, presumably from the flagship, and the Terran troops relaying the orders. A human hand pulled me to the ground, and I gasped as the plasma beam whizzed right by where my head had been. I glanced back to see Mac, who was picking off the Zanuck soldiers with a calm precision. The realization that he had likely saved my life was not lost on me and I gave him a small nod of acknowledgement. Drawing a deep breath, I tried to collect my bearings, acquire a target, eliminate the target, rinse and repeat. Simple. I spotted a Zanuck soldier crouched behind a police barricade, propping up a rocket-propelled grenade. Time slowed to a crawl as I peered through my scope, lining her up with my crosshair, steadying my hand. I pressed the trigger. The round scorched through the flesh of her forehead, and she crumpled to the ground in a heap. An explosion detonated a few paces away from my position, taking out two humans. Clearly, the combatant I had eliminated wasn't the only one with an RPG. Perhaps it would be the wisest to move out of the open road before I was shot to death. I noticed a small group of Terran soldiers off to my left, sheltering behind a market stall. Joining them would probably be the safest bet. We could hunker down there until air support arrived. Rising to my feet, I darted in their direction. 
had only made it a few steps when a sharp pain tore through my side and I cascaded to the ground. Glancing down, I saw a small hole etched into my stomach. The flesh was still sizzling around the edges. Blood spurted from the wound, staining my uniform a sickly shade of green. I tried to move, but my body refused to obey. General! Commander Rykov scrambled out of the alleyway and was at my side in a flash. He wrapped his arms underneath my shoulders, dragging me to safety. It's going to be okay. I'm here. The concern in his eyes told me a different story. Your plans are all stupid, I coughed, smiling weakly. The human laughed, wiping away a tear. Yes, yes they are. I stared up at the stars shining in the night sky, admiring their static beauty. The chaos of the battlefield was growing fainter, as though my ears no longer registered the sound. It was calm, quiet, still. Perhaps death was not a fiend I'd feared it to be. I felt at peace for the first time in a long time, ready to drift off into the night. Darkness crept in in the corners of my vision, and then the world faded away. End of chapter. Chapter 16. Rykov Point of View. The flagship's arrival was heralded by a wave of death. Its seamless blend of brutish kinetic weaponry and newfangled plasma bolts mowing down everything in its path. There were no pauses. No reprieves, just an unyielding stream of destruction. Bottled into the narrow street, the Xanax soldiers could be picked off like fish in a barrel. There was something almost beautiful in its execution, in the same way an onlooker could appreciate a surgeon's skill in dissecting a patient. I was trying to forget the green blood drenched in my hands and the lifeless alien body lying beside me, long enough to relay coordinates over my headset. Calling down fire so close to my soldier's position was, of course, dangerous. A single breakdown in communication would find the Terran forces on the receiving end of the cannon's volley. I was responsible for all the lives under my command. For my men's sake, I couldn't afford to let emotions overtake me. Yet, the unwanted thoughts crept in all the same. General Kylon had his flaws, but he had proved to be a steadfast ally at a time when those were in short supply. I liked him, often considering him with the same regard as my own crew. It had been my idea to bring him along, and though I never could have imagined the bloodbath that transpired, I felt responsible for his fate. I couldn't let him die. The safe move was to sit back and wait for the dust to settle, but by then... It would be too late. The silhouette flashed at the edge of my vision, and I quickly raised my rifle. Don't shoot! It was Pavel, who had a red-soaked bandage wrapped around his leg. There was a mix of human and non-human blood on his shirt, which indicated that he had hit on the torso as well. I know I look bad, but you should see the other guy. I gritted my teeth. I did see the other guy. That was uncalled for, and now my friend is dying because of you. I realized too late that I had referred to the Kylon as a friend. Pavel's eyes flickered over to the general's body, and I could almost see the gears turning in his head. He didn't say anything, but his thoughts were evident from his expression. 
He found my attachment to a long-time Federation officer naive and premature. Let me see, Pavel muttered, crouching beside the general with a grimace. Down by a single gut shot. I'll try patch him up. My brother slipped a knapsack off of his shoulders, retrieving a portable first aid kit from inside. I turned my attention back to the battlefield as he began to suture the wound. A large group of Zanuck soldiers were sheltering in the lobby of the luxury hotel down the road. Perhaps they thought taking refuge inside would save them from the flagship's wrath. I ordered a bomb dropped on the building and watched as moments later it imploded on itself as easily as the house of cards. There was a grim certainty in my mind that the unit was buried, or rather, crushed by the rival. With their numbers dwindling, I expected a dozen or so remaining Xanax soldiers to surrender to the Terran Union at any moment. Sure enough, I saw a cluster of them walking backwards towards our front line, holding their rifles above their heads. The equivalent of a white flag back on Earth. Hold your fire, disarm and restrain them, nothing else. I spoke into my headset, shooting a pointed look at Pavel. I don't want the POWs harmed in any way. Do you understand me? I thought my brother was too absorbed in the general's injuries to hear, but he nodded in an acknowledgement. We're two sides of the same coin, Michal. We do what needs to be done for the greater good, and we keep your hands clean. I sighed. The agency had its uses. It helped present a unified image of Earth to the galactic community, when in reality, our regional governments still squabbled over every menial policy. It swept diplomatic incidents under the rug, like the time the Hodal caught a handful of our spies copying sensitive documents. It provided the foundation of a military intelligence, keeping us posted on Federation military capabilities. Not that we were particularly impressed. Their Machiavellian attitude, however, left a lot to be desired. Keep telling yourself that, if it helps you sleep at night, I grumbled. How's the general? To my eyes, it wasn't apparent whether the Chari was still breathing. The discoloration of his skin had turned him a pale as a corpse, and I feared that he might well be dead. You're a friend, Bubble lingered on the word friend, tone sharp with distaste. Has lost a lot of blood. He needs a transfusion and a miracle. I only have human blood here. I frowned. You're saying he's going to die? I'd say it's likely. You can try and get him to the flagship, pump him full of fluids, put him on a life support. But that's a shot in the dark, he replied. I sucked in a deep breath. Okay. All right. That's something. I'll summon the shuttle. I thought those were too risky to fly. The Federation could shoot them down. We just saved their rears. They better not. And anyways, we have to try. Micha, I doubt it'll make any difference. They're not built like us. His heart is too weak. That's the problem. What if we gave him the serum? It improves strength, recovery time, and almost importantly, cardiovascular function. Y you can't be serious. The serum was a layman's way of referring to genetic nanotechnology, which was used to enhance our soldiers through gene manipulation and regenerative therapy. While humans were hardier than most aliens to begin with, 
the nanites mending his tissue in real time with the reason Pavel was still standing, despite being shot twice. Genetic engineering was a state secret, since it was prohibited by galactic law. Honestly, the ban existed for sensible reasons. The Federation was concerned about long-term impacts on a species gene pool. Humanity wasn't exactly a risk-averse species, though, and was happy enough to experiment in the field on the down-low. Earth's affairs weren't closely monitored, at least while the Federation had considered it a pacifist planet. I'm dead serious. It could work, I said. Think about it logically for a second. He's not human, and it's never been tested on an alien species, Pavel replied. We have no idea how it'll affect him. Might even kill him. He's gonna die anyways. What have we got to lose? Let's say he lives. You think he won't figure out what we did? Then he'll spill the beans to the Federation, and we'll be right back on their shit list. Hell, what happens when he tells them that we assassinated Kazel? Kylon's not loyal to the Federation. We can trust him. You think that we can afford to take that sort of risk? We'd have to keep him on Earth permanently, to be sure. That won't be necessary. I think I can get him to defect of his own free will. Pavel's eyes shot up in surprise. The idea of a Terran Union recruiting a high-profile Federation officer to our ranks must have been sufficient temptation because he began rummaging through his knapsack. He retrieved a small vial of clear liquid, pulled a syringe, and injected the general without another word. I wasn't convinced that I could follow through with bringing Kylon to our side, with how honor-bound his species was. It was unclear whether he even considered abandoning his home world, but what was important now was saving his life. I paced back and forth as I radioed for a medivac. My gaze kept drifting back to the general, studying his form for the smallest sign of hope. There was no immediate change in the Jatari's condition, but I hoped the serum could give him a fighting chance. End of chapter. The algorithm reckons you should be watching this video next, and I recommend that you should be always watching my video. So, click, click, click. Energy. And yes, clicking that does help the channel. Thank you very much.